Podcast 186, entitled Dead End, My Friend, and the reference is to Jill O'Hara's performance of a song from the original off-Broadway production of the musical Hair. Dead End is a series of road signs which the um, singer, the character is known as Sheila, um, invokes to um, say absolutely no to a particular romantic possibility and a potential course of action. The song is universal because in its listing of every um, negative road sign, um, red light, uh, no way, no exit, blind man, wild dogs, no passing, um, no trespassing, no loitering, dead end, my friend, ironically, it's a... uh, the German word is dich. It's um, a completely distilled version of the word no, hands off. And this short cast is a reflection with you on the power of no. And I want to say the negative and deleterious power of no and the negation. Now, this um, uh, powerful core experience of no is something that probably everyone listening to these words could identify with. The 
most accessible way to talk about it, and it's in the musical. And parenthetically, I became interested in the musical because the librettist was uh, and the actor of the role Berger, both off Broadway and in the Broadway cast, was Jerome Ragney. And Jerome Ragney was the brother of, I believe, the first name is Richard Ragney, but I knew him, know him as Father Ragney, not a man I ever knew, but a Roman Catholic priest from Pittsburgh who did brilliant and apophthegmatic. Um, work. That is to say, he was laden with profound Christian and experienced maxims. He's the one who said, at death, the time for doing is over. Well, Father Ragney's, the the wonderful Father Ragney's uh, brother Jerome wrote the libretto, and the libretto of hair is saturated with religion. Uh, it would probably not be written today by the same sorts of individuals, um, because uh, uh, Jerome Ragney's life was saturated with religion, and although the uh, play is a kind of rejection of a great deal of Catholicism, it, it's actually an embracing of the heart of it, because the play, if you remember the actual plot of Hair, the Broadway musical and the off-Broadway version, is a passion play. It's a passion play concerning the death of Berger, and um, in the movie, the sacrificial death of Berger for the sake of Claude, Berger being the extreme hippie, uh, and Claude being the sort of import who learns Manchester, England, England, he says, supposedly, of his origins. And uh, Ragney's libretto is shot through with um, issues of religion and engagement with religion, and especially uh, Catholicism, and the figure of Christ. Now, um, this no, let's talk about it for just a minute. Where is the most um, upsetting and uh, cast down making no of your experience? For many people, it's a young uh, romantic rejection. That is to say, a rejection by someone whom you loved who didn't love you and made it quite clear at a very impressionable age. And for a variety of reasons, this was never actually talked about afterwards. A no in romance that is never discussed or acknowledged is never buried and it never ends. And uh, time wounds all heals. Didn't Nick Lowe say that? But it doesn't heal all wounds. Time does not heal this wound because it's never been lanced. Uh, The sepsis, as it were, remains uh, forever unless it is lanced through confession. Or through therapy or some wonderful person about whom you can speak. Let me give you two examples. Someone uh, I care for who is uh, just remarkably reflective and thoughtful and creative uh, describes a situation when this person was 23 in a specifically Christian context where she fell in love and uh, someone else with her as far as it seemed, but for some reason that was never acknowledged or never stated or never conceded or never even referred to. One of these people rejected the other and um, at such an impressionable age and everything was lost and it was never discussed and the person was still around. And of course, in the Christian context, I don't think there'd ever been any real... um, opportunity for them to express their love. And so this particular um, memory is as alive today when it comes up as it was when the person was 23. Or um, another person I know very well who had a similar experience and uh, uh, thought that something very important was happening in college years and then for some reason that was never explained to her was sort of dropped romantically by the other person. And um, this person, they remained around. They, They remained in the same circles. They saw one another all the time. They were friends. 
so to speak, constantly. And the uh, so the hurt remained, um, but it was never talked about, never once acknowledged. So a hurt like that can carry on with you for 40 years or 50 years or 70 years. That hurt will never leave you. Let me repeat to you. An early romantic rejection that is not acknowledged or discussed or explained or worked through at least somewhat will never stop hurting you. Um, on the converse side, I had an experience in college myself with a, someone I cared for very much, and I had a, after a couple of years, um, uh, this was um, um, in uh, when I was um, my second college experience. Um, she uh, left me for another person, and. Uh, uh, while the hurt was enormous, it was discussed. Uh, I got a letter not long after the event of real apology, um, and it was a case in which one person owed the apology and the other person owed forgiveness. It wasn't really a mutual thing, and that it was it wasn't my idea. And I got a letter, a very contrite and dear and personal and and a remorseful letter, expressing uh, really. Um, sorrow and sadness and uh, contrition for having done this to me. And I was immediately brought to write a letter to this person in which I forgave her. And uh, it, it worked. That is to say, to this day, I never I, I, it doesn't have that power to uh, um, come up like uh, lightning and uh, shine all over my life or hurt all over my life or get sick all over my life as other relationships might. Uh, this was dealt with. And when I saw the person 25 years later at a meeting uh, connected with a book of mine, um, um, there was no hurt at all. There was only actual a kind of f- f- friendly greeting and a real desire for her good, and uh, I think on her part for mine. So the hurt was there, but it was acknowledged and dealt with even in sort of 22-year-old terms, and that is really um, uh, the difference. And all I'm trying to do in this podcast is to ask you about your dead end, my friend. I could, if this were the law, I would be trying to uh, speak to people with the idea that they should treat other people with yes. In other words, that your job as a uh, loving, uh, shall we say, Christian person, uh, kind person, human being, uh, enlightened human being, is to uh, give yes where you might normally give no, and be, treat people with 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 tenderness. You know, handle me with care, type of thing. Uh, traveling Wilburys, uh, but that's not how. That's the law. When I tell you that, even though it's good, right, and true altogether, um, the gospel is to say no. Look at your own life where you were rejected, not where you might reject, but where you were rejected. And let's talk about that. Let's let that come out. Let's let that hurt come to the light. And uh, within uh, a very uh, short time, although a very painful time, the hurt can be at least uh, placed in perspective uh, when it is allowed graciously and tenderly to be open to the light and to mercy and to kindness and to deep compassion for you. And that's uh, what the message is all about. I want to ask you to look at the deep hurts. Now, of course, it can also be um, professional. There are many people who are just, just their professions end in complete rejection. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one. You know, your profession ends in a what you interpret, what you take. Other people may try to comfort you, but you take it as a serious rejection because you you were. Um, turned away from the thing or you didn't get the thing or you were um, not uh, given the opportunity that you so longed for and this happens so often that your job became a kind of perpetual rejection of your person now uh, people will 
again, give you all sorts of uh, conditions and try to soften the blow. And I understand that because often we take it more uh, emotionally than it, it actually ought to be. But um, many, many people I know, they look at their professional lives and it's just one long string of not being able to have the opportunity that they desperately needed and wanted. I noticed that Jill O'Hara, who sings the song we've just heard, Dead End, said uh, that she dropped out of um, Broadway at a certain point very young. She's now in her late 60s, very young. She dropped out even after great success because she, quote, did not want to be at the mercy of people I didn't know. She not In the auditioning business, you were completely under the control of external forces. You had no input in terms of the jobs you would get. You would apply, 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 but ultimately you had absolutely no input in the decisions and no input in the decisions of the material you would then be asked to sing or enact. And she finally, she just dropped out and did something else. Um, and I think that's very courageous. It's easier said than done. I know that. Of course I know it. But uh, I'm talking about the hurt and the no and the rejection. And the primary hurt is romantic, and that's what I wanted to... Uh, ask you to sort of, I wanted to alert alert you to that. Um, Whether it's, um, I can give you chapters and verses, Uh, I can talk about the irascible and impossible and really very lost man who's the father in his 80s, played by Melvin Douglas in the movie version of I Never Sang for My Father by Robert Anderson. And uh, this man who is so awful and cut off and lost and flailing emotionally, nonetheless at one point during the uh, play and the movie, he is, his attention is arrested with the memory of a lost love. Here's this man in his late 70s, actually early 80s, mid-80s, and his attention is suddenly arrested by a memory of something that happened um, 60 years earlier, and he cannot get over it uh, because these things don't heal. They're only healed when they're lanced and when the... Um, the uh, tissue is able to be the the um, pus you might say is able to be drained off and the scar is able to come to the light and healed uh, by contact with clean air and that's what happens when we confess and when we say the truth so this is my point about the no and the yes and I conclude with um, a kind of uh, artistic flourish that uh, ends the musical hair we know the song as the let the sun shine in, but the actual title of the song, and it's a better title of the song, it's really the despair that is turned, however, by um, acknowledgement into a, a very remarkable point of um, of, uh, of uh, inspiration musically. And finally, uh, in light of death, as it's in the 1983 movie version, I think that's the right date, the death of... Uh, Burger, um, the death of Burger in the play, and yet uh, we talk about letting the sun shine in. And I've often wondered whether Ragney himself uh, meant this as a kind of Godspell-like moment of resurrection. I don't know, but it certainly uh, the um, stage directions uh, give that possibility. And of course, it's a very real possibility for you. And um, it will work if you're willing to go the extra mile to uh, lance the wound. Uh, thank you so very much, and God bless. We starve, look at one another, short of breath, walking proudly in our winter coats, wearing smells from laboratories, facing a dying nation. Of moving paper fantasy Listening for the new told lies 
inside something there is a rush of greatness who knows what stands in front of our lives i fashion my future i'm films in space silence tells me secretly Manchester, England, England, across.